Angeline Ong and welcome to IG's Trading the Markets. We're here to discuss the outlook for the global market landscape in the second half is Charles Morris, CIO of ByteTree.com. Charlie, thank you so much for uh, taking time out from your summer and joining us. We've had all this uh, uh, less or weaker than expected data out of China. Uh, markets wilting on the back of that. What does this tell you about the second half and how should investors be positioned? I think this is a continuation of what we saw last year. You know, we had this collapse in China. It became very well known. Uh, credit conditions uh, were pretty bad towards the year end. But then we all got excited by the, you know, the end of lockdown, the Chinese reopening, which is going to be after, which was after everyone else's. Uh, but it proved to be a bit of a damp squib. So I think that the Chinese macro has been uh, very odd this last year. You know, we were expecting great things, uh, but the recovery never came. So basically... Chinese property continues to be in a bear market, and it probably is a canary in the coal, white, coal mine. We shouldn't probably see it in isolation. What do you make of the fact that they uh, re- decided not to break down unemployment by age as well? The uh, 16 to 24 category has uh, seen unemployment uh, far above the overall jobless rate. Uh, do, you, do you think this is just a, 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 a data point, or is it something that's more alarming? Well, I mean, it's not something I'm particularly familiar with, but I have to say that whenever, whenever the whenever the sort of data releases change, there's there's always something to um, uh, you know there's something behind it, and um, you know whether it was the US with publishing the M3 data about ten years ago, or whether it's um, youth unemployment. But I gather there is a bit of a problem um, over there with youth unemployment, and um, you know it's 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 terrible. But with I suppose with an aging population, you know, one day that ought to solve sort itself out. I think the clear and present problem really is the fact that they've been lending money to, to property um, sector for years and there's excess supply and many of these aren't lived in. Now, Charlie, I've been speaking to money managers from Shard Capital to those that watch fund flows uh, on, in Square Mile and Lipper as well. Uh, many of them saying that uh, there is a correction just around the corner. Are you in this camp or do you think we might still continue with this slow grind upwards in the second half? I would think I'm in the correction camp, mainly because this thing is so stretched. There's just so many relationships that are out of kilter. You know, real interest rates, we we saw them go up from very, very low levels two years ago. But they're now getting to pretty high historic levels. And um, that's going to really start to put the squeeze on. I think the mystery of the last 12 months particularly is that, you know, we've had this most forecast recession in history that hasn't arrived. Normally, recessions are a surprise to some degree. But this one's been forecast by every single economist that ever lived, and it hasn't materialized. And so that's a strange old thing. But I think it's because um, conditions, credit conditions were so easy two years ago. In 2020, 2021, with all that money printed, the credit condition was so easy. And they've only gone back to sort of somewhere we'd call normal. They haven't actually become tight yet. But as they carry on hiking, or even if they stop hiking, they'll end up being tight by the year end. So I think, yeah, the pressure's on. And people are just looking for crazy reasons to uh, to do things. And so, you know, this side of the world, Europe, Asia, is basically uh, the trouble side of the world. The other side of the world with the Americas, that's the safe haven. Now, you've obviously seen these cycles many times, you know, in your own uh, current role and also in your previous roles as head of Absolute Return Fund at HSBC. Um, what are you looking for when uh, sort of trying to to time when and, and which assets to either exit or enter? 
Well, at the moment, there aren't many attractive um, alternatives to 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 you know the simple things because you know what we've got is is this extraordinary real interest rates, which are very high, as I said. And that's putting downward pressure on the bond market. There are large swathes of the stock market that don't make any sense. There are bubbles forming in parts of the stock market, for example, AI and so forth. And so, you know, where are the safe havens? And it's you know, increasingly looking like cash. And that's one of the problems. There's more and more people realize that, that you know, having a higher cash weight um, is, is the right thing to do because you get a reasonable payout on it, even though it may be below inflation in the short term. Um, you know, it's, it's, it, the pressures are building. And so I think being relatively defensive makes sense. Even gold is starting to feel the heat from these higher real rates. Speaking of that, do you think the um, uh, investors uh, who who have jumped in and continue to jump into the uh, uh, three major Wall Street indices, uh, do you think now should be the time that they should take some money off the table? Well, I think the indices have all got their own problems because they're you know that the the. Exposure to the big stocks is the big tech stocks is quite extraordinary, you know. And, and back in the day in 2007, Angeline, you'll remember that the big stocks were the oil stocks. Now they don't have much weight in the index, but actually that's probably the most attractive space to be, um, because you know, the, the 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 oil situation is indeed very very tight, and um, the lack of investment going forward really does mean that um, any rise in demand is felt quite heavily. There's a US strategic reserve to, supply, um, to, to, to replace, and there's the natural uh, trend demand growth of over 1% a year. So I, so I think that you know there are places to be, but you look at the big indices and things like the energy trade just aren't very well represented. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm a big tech bear. I think it's overdone. It's not that I don't like what Silicon Valley's doing. I think it's amazing. I like the inventions and all that. I just think the pricing's horrendous. And uh, last but not least, you've got a theory around the yen, don't you? Um, and about how the money printing in uh, Japan is uh, largely uh, in part um, sort of behind the uh, asset flows into equities that we've seen recently. Talk to us a bit more about this theory. Well, a theory is a bit of an overstatement. It's more of a comment. <laughs> but, but I think that what you've got is to keep the world afloat, you've got to have sort of um someone's got to be printing money and it generally has been you know japanese been pretty good of it over the last few years as of the europeans and when everyone was doing it together like in 2020 with the americans you know full steam ahead there was far too much money out there but every time i think you know the the, the bank of japan when they when they basically just plot their bond market they're creating money and so i think that's one of the places where it's coming from and you see this uh, low low currency, this weak currency in um, um, in China. Uh, the renminbi is now basically at a 15-year low. And I think that the Japanese kind of look at that. The makers in Japan, you know, the manufacturing sector, see that as a, as an important relationship. You know, the, the 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 yen versus renminbi. And over here, we kind of see the yen from a different perspective. We kind of see it as monetary uh, and that sort of thing. And so we're waiting for policy shifts. But I think what we can be sure is it's the cheapest yen in history, massively undervalued on a purchasing power basis. And the history of uh, great bear markets is the yen tends to be a safe haven. So, so I think it's one of those um, trades that can be pretty interesting at some point. And whilst we have you, uh, Charlie, we have been asking all our clients and all our um, uh, interviewees this, AI, what do you think of the space? Are you buying into it? Are you waiting before jumping in? 
Uh, we've had uh, developers uh, saying that actually uh, the, the risk of not being uh, exposed and running with it is far greater than actually uh, being in it. Um, are you, um, I know you say you're a tech bear, but are you an AI uh, bear or bull? So we've actually owned AI all year until last week. So we're no longer owning AI. Um, I, I just think it's madness. Uh, you know, the it's pricing. It's not. It's not the idea. It's not the tech. It's just the pricing. Doesn't make sense to me. Right. Thank you very much. We have to leave it there. Uh, Charlie Morris there speaking with IG on AI, on the yen, and also on uh, his thoughts on the uh, tech rally that's still underway. For more analysis, do look us up on at IGcom or at Angeline Ong on Twitter.